Oh, kia ora koutou, everyone, and welcome along to Inside the Laughs, the official comedy festival podcast. My name's Eli Matthews, and I'll be your host for this episode, which is an absolute delight for me. I'm stoked to be inside your ears, especially because it's another chance to plug my show. So we're going to be talking to three comedians, but most importantly, what you need to do is get a ticket to Daddy Shortlegs. It's my show. Uh, inspired, the title's inspired by the fact that I have uh, short little legs, but uh, much more is going on in the show. It's a, it's a very personal show about a huge revelation in my family. Um, and uh, I won't spoil it, but I will say that the word daddy is a little bit of a clue to what it might be about. Oh, a bit of mystery, a bit of sexy mystery. Not, um, no, because it's obviously about my family, so it's not nothing sexy about it, but it is going to be a lot of fun. Please check it out. Now, today, we're going to be talking to three comedians to get to know, and uh, they are all incredible people you should definitely see at the Comedy Festival. We're going to chat to Liv McKenzie, Jono Roberts, and Janae Henry, so please, chill out, make yourself a cup of tea, and let's talk to some comedians. First up in this episode, we are going to chat to Liv McKenzie. She's been described as an unexpected delight and one to watch. She's uh, so much one to watch that she actually won Best Newcomer at last comedy festival. I was going to say last year's, but it was two years ago because of this little pandemic we had. Uh, she's a compelling young talent from Christchurch who actually used to live in New York, but don't worry, she'll bring that up every 10 seconds, so don't forget. Uh, we're going to chat to her ahead of her show, Twins in the Comedy Festival, and fresh off doing the comedy gala. Here's a little taste of Liv McKenzie. So, you know, when you get a Brazilian and uh, they ask if you want to leave a patch of hair and it's called a landing strip, does it still count as a landing strip if it's at an abandoned airfield? Uh, my mum's a bitch. It's okay, she knows. Um... She just likes to do that fun mum thing where she'll say, say real mean shit for no reason. Uh, like one time we were hugging and then she looks at me for a while and I think she's going to say something really sweet to me like tell me that I'm beautiful or tell me that she loves me. And she goes, you know, you've got really piggy eyes. <laughs> yeah, so now I get really upset whenever my boyfriend calls me babe. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> I'm not a dumb bitch. So sorry if you're here with your boyfriend. Um, it'll be over soon. <laughs> okay, and time to welcome to the Inside the Laughs studio, um, and there is an official studio just for the podcast. <laughs> we built it for this. Uh, Liv McKenzie, hello. Yay. Hi, Eli. Kia ora, Liv, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm usually not up this early, so I, I feel a bit out of it. But. It's my fault that we're up. I think we organised <laughs> this around me, yeah. and then I was even later than you, and you bought me a coffee, so thank I you did. so much. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to have you, because last night you actually got to sit next to your mum and watch your first ever televised stand-up yeah. appearance. How was that? It was uh, it was really good. I was also I was watching it with um, my friend Ruby Esther and her her parents, and then some of our friends. And Ruby was on first, and then I was like, I just realized, oh, we're watching us on TV. This is hell. I want to go home. <laughs> I was even though they'd already seen it, but I was like, oh god, like I want to watch it 
I knew. I think I knew because this like the set felt good in the room, so I was like, "It'll be fine." But then I forgot about all the the like um, meet the comedian stuff and the um, other the thing we did with Tom. And I was like, "Oh, I can't act. I don't want people to see this. I don't want to watch people watching me watch this." But then, but then the set was really good, so I was like, "So you actually cool. loved it?" Yeah. By the end, I loved the attention. Because are you one of those comedians that like I know a lot of people who record their sets and then they mm-hmm. absolutely can't stand to listen to them because they cannot stand their own voice? Are you in that kind of? I record all my sets and I never listen to them, but it's laziness. Because then when I do listen to them, I'm like. God, I'm just so good. I'm so <laughs> funny. And I just love the sound of my own voice. So I'll, I'll listen to this later and be like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm mentoring a comedian at the moment and I told him the same thing. I was like, listen, to, record all your sets. Mm. And obviously that's useful for the hard sets. But also it yeah. means like when you're walking to a gig and you need a confidence boost. Yes. Listen to yourself. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like. I definitely do that sometimes. Um, Liv, one thing I know you'll be desperate to talk about mm-hmm. is the fact that you um, kind of started your stand-up journey, not actually in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but in NYC, New York, oh my God. The Big Apple. How yes. was that for you? It was. Um, thank you so much for bringing it up. Um, I, I knew that you would if yeah, I didn't, no, and I wanted to get there first. Immediately. Um <laughs> Uh, it was good. I started, so I did my first gig in like 2015 and um, it was in a basement and I had to like pay to do it. How um, much money did you have to pay? I think it was like seven, maybe $7 and it was in, um, you have to buy a drink also. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bit of a scam. Um <laughs> And um, my two friends came with me and they sat, but we were all sat in the front row. So I just like stood up, got on stage and then sat back down the front. Like it was terrible um and my friends were like the, the most supportive their two sisters is so supportive but they it was kind of like having your mum at a gig because they'd be like "Ooh, oh like really oh, like too responsive yeah too way too too active listeners um so that was fine and then six months later i did another gig which was like 3 p.m on a friday and it was just me Perfect and comedy time exactly actually. and a really good audience too because it was just 10 male comedians who hated me yeah so <laughs> um got like one laugh um yeah just bombed and then um and then i Six months later, I moved back to New Zealand, moved back to Christchurch, and that's when I counted like as starting comedy. Because then I started doing gigs like I would say regularly, but it was Christchurch in 2016, so it was like one gig every two weeks. Wow. Yeah, that's that's plenty. Yeah, I'm from Christchurch too. Do you think there's something about we actually went to the same high school, Rickman High School? Shout out, shout out, huge for them. Yeah, I think my last year was maybe the year before your first year. I think maybe, but I remember you somehow. Well, you know, I was around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I came back to hang yeah. out on What's campus. happening, guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of comedians from Christchurch mm. as well. Like, I think yeah. if you made a list, it would be a long-ass list. Yeah. Do you think there's something about Christchurch that creates, instills a desperation yeah. to perform I in people? Think so. <laughs> I don't know if it's like boredom or... Uh, yeah, something about Christchurch that just messes up your brain and makes you want to do stand-up <laughs> comedy as a career. Bizarro. Um, <laughs> who, when you set out, were you like, I want to be a stand-up comedian? Was that kind of like, you're at, like what led you into the pursuit of stand-up comedy? Um, I was always just a huge comedy fan. Like I watched the gala as a kid a lot, and I loved it every year and then... Um, when Seven Days came out, I like just lost my mind. I watched every week and loved it so much. And I think I always wanted to be a writer on or whatever for Seven Days. And then I didn't. I think I didn't realize you could just be a comedian like until that came out, maybe. And then yeah, the older I got, I just really got into comedy. 
And I think it, but it just took me a while to like admit to myself that I wanted to just be a comedian. Um, and yeah, so when I started, I was just like, let's give this a go. And if it goes well, I'll just do this. And it started going well. And I was, um, so I'm like, all right, well, I'll just do this. Iconic. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Love comedy so much. And it must feel pretty good now because you've just ticked off the gala and yeah. seven days. Oh, in, yeah. In like the matter of a couple two of weeks. weeks. <laughs> yeah. It was like a massive, um, massive couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, like when I did my first seven days, I like woke up feeling like it was like my wedding day and I was just like <laughs> ready to be. I was like, how long did you spend on your outfit? Um, because that for me, that is always any TV yeah. appearance. I'm like, what am I wearing? <laughs> <But> <laughs> Who cares what I say? <laughs> I, literally, I'm like, no one is gonna listen to me when I look this beautiful. Um, <laughs> seven days, I picked my outfit for seven days pretty quickly. It was a dress I already had, so that was fine. It's like pink monstrosity, which I love, and then for Gala, I was, yeah, I was really like, I was really just like splash out some money and I got a dress from Ruby, um, and which I've technically borrowed, but I'm just not going to take it back. Just spill something on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's already a lot of white <laughs> wine on it so, and fake tan. It's going to have to be dragging pretty heavily. Now that you've ticked off those things, mm-hmm. like what's next? What do you want in 10 years from now? Oh. Where do you want to be? Oh, is it lame to say like a Netflix special? That'd be pretty nice. This is so lame. <laughs> no, that's cool. It's, it's lame to have goals in your chosen career field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to have a like a Netflix special. Um, and if Amazon Prime come knocking, you'll be like, no, just Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, sorry, boys. Um, I've already got my heart set on Netflix. And, you know, HBO, I'm open to offers. Um, <laughs> cool. I'd be cool to I'd be cool to do some like TV and like movie stuff, but I can't act. But that's not my problem. I think you, know? you actually turned a pretty good performance in so? that, that thirty second. <gasps> Thank you so much. I was pretty proud of myself because I <laughs> I don't pride myself on my acting skills, but I was like, wow, this is semi believable. This I is huge so for me. Too. So did you not do drama at high school or anything? Like I that? did drama till year ten, and then my mum was like, "This is a waste of time." And then I did the next year. I did like all the sciences. Because I thought I was going to be a doctor, and then I realized you have to like work hard, and I was like, "Oh no, thank you." Wow. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a gynecologist because um, I'm obviously I'm very like passionate about like you know women's health and stuff like that. Um, the pause before health. I thought you were going to say someone <laughs> something else, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, that too. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, very passionate and like just stuff that I guess people or like yeah people don't talk about in relation to their bodies and like things mm. that but we all experience so it's like um i love i love just being relatable and just be a real relatable a gynecologist relatable yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah but no i i yeah now i'm like mom i could have taken dra- i could have got free drama lessons at reckon high and yeah now i'm gonna have to pay for them i almost home. took food tickets to the drama it was like a 50 50 decision <gasps> in year crazy. 10 as well i was like split oh my god that's crazy. um but then they got a new drama teacher Shout out, oh. who is awesome, yeah. but also made us do a Bollywood Hamlet, which was not okay. <laughs> <laughs> she won't oh listen, so it's fine. You can beep out the name. That's very funny. <laughs> it's terrible. Bollywood there is, Hamlet? There is a single photo that is on the internet, and I will do everything in my power <laughs> not to let anyone see <laughs> what they did to us. That's so funny. <laughs> um... I want to give you the little task we're giving all the comedians on this, oh I think. God. I don't know if everyone's done this. We're not doing that. Or should I just do it? Do you have anything that's making you angry at the moment that you would like to um, oh. go off on for 30 to 60 seconds? Um, I don't know. I'm actually in a good mood. <laughs> 
usually this is going pretty well. Yeah, usually I'm just fuming, but like I've had a coffee, I've had half a cookie, I was on a gala. Like I feel like I'm pretty. Oh no, you've called me at a bad or well, a good time because usually I'm like psycho about something. Um, what what am I mad about? Um, oh, like poverty. <laughs> yeah, um, go off. Um, oh, I I always thought. If I saw Jacinda in person, I would ask her to put the benefit up because the benefit is not livable levels. I think they wanted to put up the um like working group or who someone said they should put up like forty seven percent, and they put up like twenty dollars. And like I got to crave um a lot because I live around the corner, and I know Jacinda goes there too. And I'm like, girl, you know how far twenty bucks goes at crave? Like, come on, like yeah. we don't need to go out for brunch every day, but like. And then she was outside my house because her office is near my house. She was outside my house and I saw her and I just was like, Jacinda! And then she like looked up and I was like, hi! And just waved at her <laughs> and completely dropped nuts and like did not go up to her and be like, Jacinda, evidence shows you have to put up the benefit. Like, I was just like, I better say hi! And then waved her and she was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, uh, that's great. I don't know. There was a bit of a, a little bit of an anecdote. I love that you chose a very noble thing. I was expecting you to do like, I don't know, you know, like, they don't Drag- my shoe size at this time. <laughs> <laughs> I do have those vibes, but yeah, since I'm on the benefit um, currently, hopefully not for much longer, um, it we'll be should a be. TV star. Yeah, I can't wait till the people at Wins see me on the <laughs> gala and they're like, what? They're she like, looks pretty employed. Yeah, they're like, no more money for you, bitch. Um, I was, when you talk about we wanted to be a gynecologist, mm-hmm. I think we have something in common, which is that we both do quite a lot of sexy, filthy material. Yes, I love that. Where do you think that comes, like, why do you think you enjoy talking about that on stage? I don't know. I think, well, I think I've just always been, like, fascinated with sex and stuff. Um, very, you know, unique in that regard. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> the sole human yes. to be in Yeah, I just think no one's really talked about it before ever. <laughs> I don't know. I think I also like to just be a little shocking, I think. And mm. I love my favorite reaction is from because I get pretty even, but I I feel like I don't even talk about sex a lot. I more talk about like medical procedures I've had. <laughs> and my favorite is when I get a man in the audience, like I just hear him be like, Jesus Christ. Christ, like that's my favorite kind of. It's an accidental heckle, but I yeah, I like to. Well, I like women to find me relatable, and I like men to um, um, be scared, but also learn something. Wow, that's cool. Me too. I'm always yeah. like, I want to. I want to make this staunch straight man laugh. Yes, at anal. Or yes, anything like that. I love that. Um, gay anal. I don't support straight anal. Oh, okay. Not yeah. actually. Me allowed. neither. Actually, <laughs> yeah, um, I won't participate. Liv, your show's called Twins. You're yes. doing it with the incredible Ed Amon, who yes. is so, so funny. I love. He's um, the best. What's the show? Why is it called Twins? Why should people go and see it? Um, it's- oh, my God. <laughs> That's my noisy Can laptop. Can you please be professional? <laughs> my screen time was down 54% last week. Oh, my God, so, huge. Yeah, icon. <laughs> That's huge. Mine is always somehow up 67%. The other day I got 24 hours. <laughs> 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 That's no. very funny. Um, Back to your show. Right. Um, it's called Twins because Ed and I are very um, similar. Um, you know, yeah. have a lot in common. He's a um, <laughs> Pakistani immigrant and he learned English from watching like Seinfeld and um, stuff. And um, so good. I'm a Leo. So, you know, just <laughs> exactly the same struggles. <laughs> um, yeah, very similar people. Um, yeah, I don't know. We got <laughs> our photos of us wearing matching uh, Lion King brand t-shirts from the warehouse. Um, 
we're just, I don't know, he's just a honey. And I just wanted to do a show with someone because I'm too lazy to write a new hour. So, so you're doing half an hour. Yeah, and 20 minutes. But um, What sort of topics are you ticking off on that in your half? Um, what do I talk about? Oh, I can't, I feel like I can't say. You want to spoil it? Girl stuff. Wow. Huge. Huge. Huge for women. Huge progress. <laughs> A landmark show yeah. for women everywhere. <laughs> really, yeah, I feel like I really can't say without spoiling half my punchlines. But um, yeah, just you have to wait and see. Suffice to say, there will be great punchlines if you're. If yes. You, if you uh, lots of them. Think you could like live? You should check her out on the gala. TVNZ yeah. on demand, and then you can buy tickets for the show. Comedyfestival.co.nz. Liv, thank you so much for coming in. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me, Eli. Love you so much. Love you so. Thanks for mm. getting me a coffee as well. Oh, I you're you so dollars. welcome. Yeah, I actually want that um, as yeah. soon as the scene's place. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I really need that. <laughs> now we're going to talk to comedian and star of Instagram and the spinoff, Janae Henry, in her new show, Literally Obsessed. She's here to unpack a single date she went on and is still thinking about to ponder aloud if that one man was indeed racist. Bracket, spoiler alert, yes he was, and share her insights of day-to-day events. Uh, you want to be in the mix for the people who first saw Janae Henry do a solo hour of comedy. You don't want to miss out on being literally obsessed. Let's hear a little bit of Janae's stuff. I'm looking familiar to some of you. Um, it might be because I want some dating apps. I'll be honest about it and I will up to it. I will up to it. And I am the kind of bitch who's like, <coughs> love happens actually when you're least looking for it. When you're not looking for it, you actually find it, which is a psychotic thing to say for someone who is on four dating apps. <laughs> So we've got Tinder number one, I feel like that's the basic. I just love loose swiping, gives me power. Number two, Bumble, that's like, ooh, who's gonna start the chat? Then you've got number three, her, it's like, okay, she's not straight. Which might be a shock to some of you, you might have seen me and thought hetero is hell, but no, not straight. And then number four, Hinge, which kind of reminds me of what it's like to be on four dating apps, it's fucking unhinged. Kia ora, Janae Henry, how is life on the road? That's where you are right now, right? On the road touring? Yeah, kia ora, Eli. I am good. School's just kind of back today. I'm feeling good about it. Life on the road is good. It's hectic, um, but potential for comedy everywhere. Because for people who don't know, so Janae, you probably almost definitely know from her hilarious stuff on Instagram and the spinoff, but she's also touring schools, teaching kids about sex at the moment. Uh, and how is that? I feel like I'm so disconnected from what sex education at high school is like now. How are they doing? I honestly think they're doing really well. I think the next generation is coming up and I think they're going to be smarter than all of us, which is the goal. Scary. Um, <laughs> a lot of information out there, uh, a lot of a lot of language that I'm like, you've seen that in a Twitter thread or like you've seen that on TikTok, which is haunting and exciting all in one. That's uh, what I get excited about is uh, there's the, the studies recently that show like almost 20% of Gen Z identify as queer in some way. Um, mm-hmm. that, yeah, which I don't know. I don't know if you as a fellow queer comedian are like, yes, we're taking over. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exciting. It would be really shocking if I was like, no, no. <laughs> just for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of like it was just a me and you thing. <laughs> um, now, Janae, you are comedian, actor, writer, all sorts of things. How did you get into this world? What drew you in? I came from an improv beginning, which I think is 
which were quite a common way to start. And then my improv trip were kind of like, you don't really do characters or acts. You just go out there as yourself and tell funny stories. That's comedy, huh? So <laughs> then I started doing stand-up comedy and I was like, whoa, hot take. It's like improv, but easier. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think makes uh, stand-up comedy easier than improv? I think a lot of stand-up comics are hearing that and thinking, you're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think now I'm wrong, but when I when I started stand-up comedy, I was like, all this is is telling stories into a microphone, and I've been telling stories all my life for free, and now people are paying me to do it. Um, <laughs> whereas improv, you have to do a character. People want you to be a different person every scene, whereas stand-up comedy, hot take, <laughs> easier than improv. <laughs> the hot take from comedian Janae Henry is that it is easy to do. I love it. Um <laughs> Because I spoke to you a little bit backstage, and you um, you also kind of hate doing the same material, right? You love to come up with something fresh almost every time you perform. Yeah, I get bored. So I'll do a set maybe – if I do it three times, then I'm like, it's old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it is kind of chaotic. I think because when I started doing stand-up comedy, it was improv, and I don't do that anymore. But for the first six months, I would like walk the gig, call my parents, and be like, what should I talk about tonight? And they were like, Janae, you should organize this. And I was like, no, no. And then I would just kind of decide on a topic and get up there and riff. And so it was improv for the first six months. And then Gabby Anderson introduced this concept of writing a joke down to me. <laughs> it's really new. It's a really fresh uh, take on comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really. I think it's going to be the next big thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you call your parents, like, how integral is your family to your to your comedy? Are you from, are you from a fa- funny family? I reckon I am from a funny family, and I think they're hugely integral. I don't do anything on stage that I wouldn't say to my parents, but that really really doesn't leave much off the table. I <laughs> had a really hectic <laughs> phone call with them recently, just running by, because they're flying down to Wellington to see my show, and I just quickly ran by all the things in my material that they haven't heard out of my mouth before. Wow. Um, yeah. How was they're that? super supportive. They, <laughs> there was um, kind of a silence, and then they said, I'm sure it'll be funny when we're there. So <laughs> that's what you want. That's what you want to hear. I love that. I reckon I'm the opposite. I reckon everything I do on stage, I would not say to my parents. And I'm like, you need to come to my show to hear about my personal details because I'll never say this out loud to you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it's more haunting now if you can see them in the audience? Oh, terrifying. I had my dad and my mum come to my recent show in Christchurch and Little Andromeda, which is an amazing, beautiful theatre, but you can see every single person's face in there and it is... It is what it is. You know, you just got to mentally go to a different place um, to be able to get through it. Where do they sit, your parents, when they come? Uh, mum, back, dad, front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, my, my, that's why I tell them. My parents are front and centre. And because I'm in the dome, which is, uh, what's the word, unallocated seating, um, my, my parents have made reserved signs that I will stick on the seat oh for them. Oh my gosh, that's So gorgeous. they can maintain front centre status. <laughs> Now I met you, Janae, in uh, Edinburgh at the festival. When you were yeah. were you working in Italy? Is that right? Yeah. And then you popped over to Edinburgh. How um, how did that change and shape the way you think of stand up? Because I remember I went to Edinburgh in 2012, and then when I came back, I was like, okay, this is this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. I want to go back to Edinburgh, do an hour. Um, what was it like for you? Well, I came back from Edinburgh, and I was like, I guess my dream is to open for a comedian and not be the comedian because you all seem so stressed. <laughs> so that is true. We were stressed. We weren't sleeping. 
I think it just seemed really stressful. It was so fun to just be there. I kept calling it the Coachella of the theatre world. Um, <laughs> and it was so like, minus the bad ethics. And it was so good to be there. But I just, I don't, I don't know. I think I love creating comedy and content for people who aren't necessarily the typical comedy audience. And the audience at Edinburgh surprised me. I thought it would be, I thought it would be more diverse, but I guess because Fringe does add up and there's so many things to see and it's oversaturated, that the kinds of people that are watching the shows aren't necessarily the kind of people I make comedy for. Totally. Yeah, I see what you mean. I kind of didn't really clock on to it at first, but I will say it is a very white audience because I guess it is Scotland. Very beige. Um, What is your ideal audience then? Who do you want to be performing for? Uh, Woman, brown people, queer people. Honestly, I think what I always say is my comedy is basically for everyone that's not a cis straight white man. And if you are a cis straight white man, you're welcome to come, but it's not for you. So if you don't enjoy it, that doesn't shock me. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I reckon you will learn something probably from your comedy. It doesn't... um, I first gigged with you in Tauranga and I just was so amazed by the way you just launched into it. And there's no, what I love, especially because I started maybe like 10 years ago and I felt like I always had to kind of like excuse myself, almost like a sorry I'm gay kind of joke at the start. And I really feel like um, what's changed in comedy, especially watching someone like you, is that you just kind of launch into it and you're like, the audience will catch up to me because this is where I'm at. So deal with it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is deciding pretty early on that I was going to ignore the advice that ignore the advice that you should be creating comedy for everyone uh, yeah. because I think that when they say you should be creating comedy for everyone and that's how you be inclusive I actually think when you do that you're just making comedy for the majority who have always had comedy made for them I actually think it makes more sense to find who you want to speak to and just speak to those people I agree because I think when you're watching comedy the best feeling is when someone says something and you think oh I felt that exact thing and yeah. you're never going to be able to do that for everyone so do it for the people who who relate to you yeah the show is called literally obsessed um an iconic phrase of yours uh what's <laughs> what's it all about Janae my show yeah <laughs> Ooh, and you've been like I rehearsing guess, it in the space. Like you've you've been you, you've been getting uh, ready. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know how comedians make a one hour show. They know how theatre makers make a one hour show, um, and that's my background. So I think that's just how I felt most comfortable being like, "This is Tech Week, and <laughs> we're going to be in this space." I keep Gabby keeps laughing because I keep calling it this space. She's like, "It's bit theatre." I'm like, "No, I'm in the space." And that's how you know it's theatre, because I call it the space. You know, it's stand up because they have a microphone. Um, <laughs> I think, oh, sorry, I can't even remember your question. I just talked too long. I just, you just reminded me that my first time, my one of my first shows was, was in the Dome, and the review from Theatre View did say, why does he have a microphone? <laughs> why? Yeah, and I was like, because it's stand up. Um, no, I just asked you what, what your show's about, what you're going to be chatting about. So we've just right. talked mainly about the space so far, but what's the extra space. material about? I do, I do acknowledge the space, so that's good that I've mentioned that so Gorge. many times. I do so many minutes on that at the top. It's um, an hour I, on the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah microphone. I guess it's political, there's always politics through everything I do, but ultimately it's flirty, silly and fun. Um, I talk about... Dating. I talk about my time at law school. Whoa, I didn't <laughs> I, know about that. I need to see the show. 
Yeah, you need to say it. You need to say it. I just, I guess it's kind of an introduction of who I am for people who may have consumed some of my content but don't really know anything about me. Great. Uh, it's going to be such a good show. Tickets are at comedyfestival.co.nz, although I have a sneaky feeling that you are sold out at the moment. <laughs> I think that's three tickets left that got released. So wow. it's so literally right now. <laughs> so those final three tickets are available. Janae, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you for having me. See you soon, babes. This is good. Now we're going to chat to Jono Roberts, a comedy legend who you might not have heard of because he's actually been away from New Zealand for about 20 years. What he's been doing, getting married, gaining weight, having kids, becoming a literal Broadway star, being on every crime show you've ever heard of. He's raised a dog. He's gotten close to getting famous, brackets, or at least gotten close to some famous people. And I'm reading that. I'm not saying that himself. I think he's quite famous. He played Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter show. So let's listen to the hilarious comedy of Jono Roberts. You used to love it when I sang you songs. You used to hold me in your bed till I suffered so sweetly. You used to love me, baby, all night long. But now there's something tired inside your eyes. When you touch me, it's to push me aside. We never talk enough to even tell each other lies. Still, I refuse to believe that our love is dying cold. Baby, we could kill the children. <laughs> a little blood is a minor price for peace. Come on, darling, darling, let's kill the children. I've already Googled lots of ways to fool love believe. Think of all the times we yearned and we prayed That ovulation calendar, your temperature checks Painting up the nursery, all those plans that we made But now they've changed everything I think that I should shove them back, come on Baby, let's kill the children No one will know it was us if we do it What better way to make them sleep through the night? Jono Roberts, welcome to Inside the Laughs. Last night you performed at the Wellington Gala. How the hell was it? It was marvellous. It was absolutely marvellous. I mean, what, what a venue to play at. Yeah, no, I loved it. It's funny because I haven't performed in Wellington since sometime in the 90s. And, um, you know, I used to have this real cringe about the Wellington comedians. They were so much cooler than us. Like, Wellington, everything about Victoria and music is back in university days. All those Vic people and all those cool people. And so last night, I actually was up there and I realised I was in this leather jacket with, with my electric guitar. And I was like, I, I feel like I'm trying to compensate for my... <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> who was who was who were the Wellington comedians at that time? Was that I mean, kind back of then? It was it was Tyka and Jermaine had humor beast. You had Joe Randerson who um, she was doing stuff then. Joe used to be. I mean, I was completely in love with her actually. Um, <laughs> um, this podcast is an announcement <laughs> of your love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, um, I, I just thought she was the coolest. Coolest human being on the planet at that point. Um, uh, 
Yeah, it was just this thing. You know, Wellington does. It has that vibe of being like, we're just the coolest thing to be in. It is the coolest yeah. city. Yeah, and I find it that is. venue as well, because the venue, what I like about it is it seems a bit haunted, and I think that really plays in well to any good comedy venue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't. Well, any good theatre. I mean, you can't have a theatre without a ghost. That's just, that's just disgusting. <laughs> um, so, you have been away from New Zealand for a long time. Uh, what I have, I have. the hell have you been up to? And I, know, I can see right now, I've actually got your IMDb credits in front of me, and I'm seeing Good Place, I'm seeing CSI, I'm seeing Flight of the Concords, I'm seeing So Nashville for the Nashville fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Nashville's great. I like the town too. As a uh, yeah, I've been I've been everywhere now. Um, I uh, yeah, I left New Zealand in '98. Uh, went over to the states and sort of spent my life being a performer in America. Really, a little bit in Europe, but but just sort of um, I've been a TV and theatre and film person for the last twenty odd years, um, and doing comedy. Then Reese Darby and I, when once he sort of moved. More permanently to LA, Reese and I started doing a monthly night uh, when we were together. Um, when we were back in town, we'd do a monthly night at Largo, um, which is the best venue in Los Angeles uh, for comedy or music or whatever. Yeah, so it's my dream to go there. It looks so cool. Oh, Largo's amazing. Yeah. Lanny, who, who owns and runs the place, is a wonderful bloke who has a very soft spot for Kiwis. So it's this great venue where you know, it's where it's where Neil Singh will come and play, or where you know, it's just it's just this, it's just the spot. It's a cool spot. Very so cool. I was doing comedy with Reese there, and uh, um, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, on TV, yeah, all those TV shows, they just hire me to kill someone. That's the job that I get. Um, <laughs> what do you think it is about I'm, you that uh, caters you specifically to that type of role? <laughs> I, I think it's the dead eyes. I think it's the lack of soul. They can see that the camera can just look into me. <laughs> and go, this is this person is hollow. This person is hollow and evil and, yeah, and, and terrified. Speaking of lack of soul, am I right that you played Draco Malfoy in uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Yes, yes that was the last. That's what brought me back here. I was doing um, that show on Broadway during the Harry Potter show, and uh, COVID shut the theaters down. So um, I went back home to LA to my wife and children, and three days later, Reese uh, and. Uh, his family and my family were all on a plane back to New Zealand and we quarantined at Reese's house. And then the first lockdown happened and we haven't left. We're still there. I'm still staying at Reese's place. Oh, is this up in Maracana? Yeah. Oh, yeah. gorgeous. Oh, so bless. Yeah, Things yeah. have really worked out oh, for you. Yeah. No, we're very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking um, of Reese, I because I I wonder if people are aware of like just how much Reese looks after other comedians because he um, Reese and Rosie took took me and my friend Hamish to Edinburgh way back in 2012, which was when I was like first oh, fell yeah. in love with stand up. Um, how yeah. how long have you been working with Reese? We started out doing comedy together just after he got out of the army and came to Canterbury University. And that's where we met, became mates. My my older brother Guy, Reese credit Guy with with that sort of getting him into comedy properly, because um, we were in this, you know, frankly awful little sketch comedy group <laughs> at the university. <laughs> but some really great people came out of it, actually. But uh, um, and uh, Reese pitched beers and everyone poo pooed them. And then my brother went, actually, Reese, I reckon those are good. We should do those. And so we and so 
so in one of his books where he talked about my brother um, giving him that sort of uh, um, giving him that bump but yeah Reese and Rosie are amazing the way in which they support comics and friends and I mean for people that are actually just objectively all the human beings they're terrific <laughs> no yeah. are they are they are they are they're incredible like I, yeah Kiwis are, I, I've been living in the States for ages Obviously, I was like, you know, years and years and years, 15, many years, and, and, and Concord was getting big. And I was sitting in a uh, bar, good luck bar in Los Angeles, in, 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 uh, in Los Angeles. And there are these two people next to me, and I go, holy shit, this person New Zealand accent. And I don't, I didn't have, I don't have any New Zealand mates over there apart from Reese and Jermaine, actually, when he, you know, when he was there. So I, I just, New Zealand accents were just an exciting thing to hear after all this time. I was like, oh, so sort of, dialed in and listened to them and it was these two young um, wannabe hipsters uh, just ragging on Brent and Jermaine being like yeah those guys are real dicks right here and, Whoa. Uh, and it was you know and it was this thing where I went what why is my first little taste in years of New Zealand culture being two people knocking two of the nicest <laughs> you know most down to earth and humans like I don't, I, I think we're justifiably proud of a lot of the success that that group has had, the Concord's Reef, uh, Tiger. But I don't think people also realize just how how good they are as people. Oh yeah, like they're most they are the most adorable humans around. I would say that's um, like the, one of the best things about New Zealand. In contrast to other places around the world, the, re- the celebrity culture doesn't really seem to exist here to me. Like, no. I've never met someone who was so famous they don't want to give anyone the time of day. And likewise... No, exactly. I imagine it could be that way with, a, with some rugby players or something. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they have to retire at 30 and things really change. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's screwed. <laughs> Um, how do you? Um, how's your relationship between acting and comedy? Because I know I started stand up after having trained as an actor and having done theatre, and I remember experiencing like a little bit of prejudice, some of which would, I think is a little bit justified, where people are like, "Oh, you're just an actor pretending to do stand up rather than a stand up stand up." Do you experience any of that kind of prejudice? Uh, not well, yeah, no. Oh, Maybe. Good, I don't good know. for you. I, my head's too far up my own bum to actually really notice what other people are thinking about. They're like, oh, yeah, that happened. I, I, got, I went into acting because I did the opposite thing. I was doing comedy with my brother and trying to be a, you know, trying to be a comedian. I was doing a little bit of comedy. And then one night at the classic, I watched Humor Beast, so Tyke and Jermaine, do a long-form sketch called Finger Dancing where they acted out a movie they taped microphones the size of their heads because they suddenly realized this wasn't a theater, it was a comedy club. And <laughs> so they made makeshift boom mics, literally with packing tape and just, and just regular handheld microphones. And <laughs> did this long sketch that was, I was in so much pain from laughing. I went home and I was, I just, I was like, I can't do this. I'm not a comedian. I'm not, I'm just going to be an actor <laughs> because I don't have to be that brilliant. So, so it was comedy that drove me into acting. <laughs> and then for years, I was like, no, I'm just going to be an actor. I, just do, I do Shakespeare. And I do things like that. And I, do, I get all moody and broody and I kill people on TV. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't until Reese and Co. were back. Like Taika, when they pulled me into just as a joke thing to do one episode of Concord, just a little role, but it was just a fun little thing of made. 
and working with Taika and the, and the boys again there. And I went, oh, actually, comedy's funny. I like doing that. And then, yeah, we dragged me back into it again. So I'd spent years in the wasteland of, you know, a fellow and shit. Man, I was, I was all suffering for my art. Um, <laughs> um, so now I'm back just doing it for enjoyment. Well, I'm glad you are, because now it's the first time Kiwis have got a chance to see you live in a while. Your show is called John Roberts Knows What He Is Doing, full stop, totally. Uh, what's the show all about? Oh, God, could you tell me, actually? It'd be lovely. Um, it, no, <laughs> Doesn't it, it start tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I've got to write something for it at some point. Um, <laughs> no, the show is uh, probably I Will Meander, but then I'll play a bunch of songs. I, uh, I really do a lot of musical comedy. I do songs. At the time, they are, um, they're not rude, but they're very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> over the years, I've sort of, some people call me quite dark, is what I think I'm saying. I don't think it's dark. I think it's just sort of entertaining. I think there's nothing wrong with um, wanting to kill your own children or, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote one recently. My, my, my wife, who's hysterical with, um, she's the sort of person that, you know, will be in the midst of making love and she'll sort of look at me and go, are you thinking about your mum right now? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to mess with me. She's horrible. My wife is this, this, this demon creature. And uh, so, yeah, I just that's one of my new songs actually was inspired by that particular comment. Um <laughs> Wow! I'll say some, you know, all, all men marry their mothers. I was like, I'll, I'll take that. I'm going to run with that idea. Um, yeah, so it's a bunch of songs. They're unified simply by the fact that I'm singing them. Um, I, 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 I will chat a little, but basically, it's just it's, it's sort of music and yarns, and I'll be. Um, I really did want to know what I was doing at one point and now I've, I've completely surrendered myself to the idea that I have no idea what I'm doing no one in the world knows what they're doing so let's just get together and and feel lost for a little while together oh. feel comfortable in that sounds like a dream scenario and if you at yeah, home listening to this podcast want to be part of it you can get tickets to comedyfestival.co.nz what a wonderful website yeah. Also, guys, you've got a gorgeous voice, Jono. I watched the, I've watched your Killing Children song, and I was like, obviously laughing, but also thinking, hmm, this is my type of music. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's kind of got that early two thousands grungy rock, which I I absolutely go off for. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I'm just sitting here just now. I just wrote a, a a blues kind of song, and I was trying to do that with the deep with the deep gravelly blues voice. And that was um, that was entertaining. So there may be some pastiche songs in there. I've got no idea, but uh, um, yeah, <laughs> it's excellent. So Jono Roberts knows what he's doing totally at the comedy festival. Uh, please go check it out. Thank you so much, Jono. Cheers, mate. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to Inside the Laughs, hosted by Eli Mathewson and produced by the legends of the NZ International Comedy Festival. The 2021 festival season runs right up until May 23rd and you can see the full program at comedyfestival.co.nz. Get booking, get some tickets, live, laugh, love. See you later.